Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives. We're your co-hosts, Kylie and Eva. Hello, hello, my loves. Kylie here with a solo intro, and you guys are in such a treat with today's guest. But before we dive into her story and all the reasons why you're going to freaking love this interview, I just want to remind everybody that we are in the home stretch of the Alchemy course sign up. So for those of you who've been following along, this is the money healing course that I'm running. It's six months long. It's a really, really deep transformational journey. I think some people might be scared off by the six months. <laughs> like I want more money to show up, but I don't know if I actually want to do like deep transformation. Um, But look, the truth is, if you've been listening to me talk about my own relationship to money and and how it's changed and how um, I want it to change for you, you'll understand that what I really want to hold space for all of us, whether you take this program or not, is the idea that money is the energy of our needs being met, right? Money is the energy of do I get what I want and what I need? And is it safe for me to have those needs, have those wants? Is it safe for me to receive? Is it safe for me to rest? Is it okay for me to play? It's basically the energy of, is it okay for me to actually enjoy this life that I signed up to live? And I want the answer to be yes for you. I want the answer to be yes for all of us. You know, we often think if only I can get X amount of money, then I will enjoy, then I will play, then I will rest, then I will feel a sense of peace and ease and safety. But the truth is we have to generate those feelings ourselves. And when we generate those feelings ourselves, money shows up differently. So it's really a two for one, right? By healing our money shit, we also allow ourselves to increase our capacity to enjoy our life. So you get to experience more abundance in its true sense of the word, right? You get to experience more material resources flowing into your life to support you. And you get to experience fucking enjoying your life. And who doesn't want that? That's really what this program is about. You know, it's about how to command the energy of your life, how to heal these wounds around your needs being met, your desires being safe. But it's really ultimately an attempt to walk you through a journey so that life is more pleasurable. If you would like your life to be more pleasurable, come join us. It's going to be so fucking fun. <laughs> um, doors are closing soon. So, you know, if you're curious, let's just have a chat. You can book a call with me. You can also just DM me. I'm pretty chill. Those of you who've already messaged me know, like we can just chat about if it's a good fit for you or not. I'm all about holding space in a neutral way for those kind of conversations. So if you book a call, it'll be a safe place to explore. Um, and let's do the thing, man. Let's all wake up and adore our lives more. I don't know who doesn't want that. Um, so. That being said, let's talk a little bit about Siri Vincent Plouffe. 
who is our guest this week, and they are a Nordic witch, a rune reader, a tarot reader, living on Anishinaabe and Dakota land in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, I love this part of their bio. As an unabashedly queer person, they are constantly interrogating runes and Nordic practices through a unique lens of gender identity. They see witchcraft as a way to break out of expectations and live outside of society. And they are in training with Carl Toring, a modern day vulva, and Johannes Gardbach, a troll cunning and professional folk magician. So you're teaching about the runes, tarot, and witchcraft. And the there are so many things that I loved about this conversation, but one of them is you know, I don't know if Siri would use these words, but I, I think Siri has a really deep academic thread. There's a deep substance to their work, to the way they see witchcraft, to the kind of responsibility that they hold their witchcraft with. Um, and as a result, this conversation is really, it's not surface layer. There's some really interesting inquisitive questions that they pose around how to um, reconsider witchcraft how to broaden our scope of what witchcraft is, how to find your own path, um, and what it means to be um, a magician, a folk magician. We also have a really interesting conversation about what it means to be a witch and claiming that term and being in relationship to that term, but also understanding that there are other ways to engage with magic um, without necessarily being a witch. And and I really loved that because I think for the scope can be both narrow and confining even as we're trying to expand it. And so series take is really really refreshing. They also share a really interesting story their own journey from you know being part of a coven, leaving that um and and what that experience was like, what it was like to leave it and be a solitary practitioner um, and and finding their way into the working with the Norse pantheon. Um, so this is just a really rich conversation. Also, a witch after my own heart. They give us an entire list of really incredible books, some of which I've already purchased and have yet to begin reading. Um, so at the end, you can have your pen, pen and paper handy so you can write down all these amazing books um, if you want a more substantive take on your witchcraft. So enjoy, my loves. Okay, Siri, we are so excited. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Okay. So as you know, we always start with the same big question, which is what is spirituality for you and how does it show up in your everyday life? Um, for me, I would say that spirituality is connection more mm -hmm. than it is anything else. Um, I have a deeply animist uh, personal practice, um, which basically means, you know, I believe that um, things that are not like humans and animals and plants have souls and you can mm. connect with them. And so connectedness is very, very important. Um, and it also is just like a connection to, and an understanding of my place in the world and a connection with my, uh, spirits, guides, deities, etc. Um, it's really hard for me to. Questions. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yes, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, it's kind of uh, being a professional witch. It's kind of like hard for me to separate out like what is spiritual versus what is mundane a lot of the time. Because mm -hmm. first of all, my practice is very like 
I allow mon mundane things to be spiritual and it's just kind of all the time. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the goal ultimately that they're not separate? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I okay. think so. I have a thousand questions, but the first one that I really want to ask is, can you unpack a little more this notion of things that aren't people, animals, and plants having soul? Cause I am like, I am yeah, intrigued. That's really, yeah. That's really, it's like, it's, and is it animus? What's the noun version of it? Animism? Animism. Yeah. Animism. Okay, cool. Yes. I like yeah. want, I like, I'm so happy that you're here because I want to learn and know all the things about animism and your relationship with animism. Yeah. So animism is really interesting. Basically it's, um, you know, and it kind of varies from culture to culture, place to place, like what animism really means. Um, but it's this kind of like idea that we are in sort of constant relationship with other things to me. Um, I've seen some pagans refer to it as being able to connect with non-human persons. Mm. So non-humans, persons being plants, animals, um, plant animal products um so of course you know like tea um or I was totally gonna ask if tea counts listeners yes, know I'm a, totally I have a does. problem <laughs> <laughs> yes it totally does but then I also I also um personally do work a lot with enchanting objects and stuff like that so um you know working with the spirit of a particular object um for example I have um actually in my desk drawer right here I have my grimoire Mm. which um is pretty alive with ideas um Wait, and sorry, so is I that, work with that what did you call a grimoire a grimoire what's that it is uh some some witches call them books of shadows I just call it a grimoire a personal grimoire it's a um it's basically my magical record so like mm. spells that I've cast <clears throat> uh yearly rituals that I've done um tarot spreads um like even notes like when you buy like a crystal at the store and it comes with a little like slip of paper that explains mm -hmm. to you what it is like mm -hmm. I paste all of those in my grimoire mm -hmm. oh that's so, so smart I, I never know I've like my, those are all lost to me like I always get them and then I don't, don't know where they end up <laughs> yeah yeah I'm pretty I love it and um it's I, I've been a witch for almost 20 years at this point so um it's also kind of nice to be able to go back and look at previous grimoires um I've been working with this one I think for when was the first century I think it was like last fall um but I'm already like way over halfway done if you can see mm -hmm. that yeah it's a so. nice fat it's a nice fat notebook yeah yeah I just started one um one of these myself this summer and I found um mostly I would just write these things in my journal and I found it really beautiful to start to separate. Like there's a journey of personal development and like doing my own personal, you know, work, but then there's this whole other journey. That's just like the mystical and the metaphysical and the witchcraft. And it actually felt really powerful to begin to let them be related, but not the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, I I go back and forth. Sometimes I do keep my grimoire just like in my personal journal because like I said, you know, I have very few things in my life that I don't consider to be magical. So they all kind of feed into each other. But at the same time, the more I get into, um, you know, 
professionally being a witch, like teaching mm. people, all of that stuff. I feel like I kind of need to keep that a little bit separate from just like my personal panic attacks that fill my personal journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like I need to be able to find that specific spell that I did. Yes, so. yeah. yes. And also like sometimes like when I'm writing like my personal neuroses, I don't necessarily need to hold on to that. Like when I get to the end of a journal, it's often like beautiful completion cycle. And I am just like happy to toss that into our campfire versus like, you know, the process of like, I don't know, fine tuning your craft, I think is different or can be different. And yeah, I really love the idea of, so, okay. But going back to this original question of like animism. So, so you have, you have your grimoire and, and, um, and it feels like its own, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like, it's its own entity with its, its own energy that you are in relationship to. There feels like something very decolonial about this rather than like, I own this notebook and I fill it with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You guys missed the best little secret. like eyebrow <laughs> maneuver that Siri just gave us. Yes, here is the secret. Um, it's all decolonization, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Wednesday. No, that's rude. <laughs> oh, her cat, Your cat is just very excited about decolonization. Wait, wait, was that an all black cat too? Yeah. Oh my god, oh, I he's love got it. a little, he's got a little white patch. I love that his name is Wednesday. Yeah. 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 Great. Um. Okay. Yeah. So it's all decolonial. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. I have, okay. Sorry. Uh, I'm like, I have, I'm tempted to pile like 10 questions on at once, but we'll just do one at a time. <laughs> okay. So oh, so you were talking, yeah, you were talking about decolonial, how it's all decolonial. Yeah. So, um, a lot of my practice is, um, uh, I practice like a Nordic, um, folk magic, um, Nordic folk roots, um, I'm in training to be a a vulva, which is kind of like a Norse um, high priestess slash seer um, person, community uh, care worker, I guess. Um, And a lot of that impulse for me comes from specifically wanting to get to the root of my own cultural background in order to displace myself from whiteness. Um, because whiteness asks you to give up your culture in order to buy into this idea of whiteness as superiority. Mm. And so in seeking my own ancestral connection to culture, um, I am decolonizing that aspect of my being, right? It is unsettling um, in the way that I am born from a lineage of settler colonists, colonizers, um, this is a way of unsettling ourselves and like de- decolonizing the root um, um, and going deep. So yeah, I would say that for me, like diving into Norse practice, um, working very specifically with the um, teachers that I do, um, working with my ancestors um, is all, sort of an act of decolonization and um, like almost like I would say like a devotion to land and um, you know, like right relationships. 
how do I, as someone who is descended from colonizers, live in right relationship with the land that I currently live on, which is Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and the ancestral land of the Dakota and Anishinaabe peoples. Mm. Yeah. I, <laughs> go ahead. I'm just, I'm, I'm already so excited that you brought up whiteness because that's, that's a question that I, that I want to dive into. I didn't think we were going to dive into it so early on, but if we're here, bring it if, on. If I, if I may, um, <laughs> and I'm sure, and we'll come back to, cause again, this is, I remember I warned you in the beginning that we were going to go off in five different tangents and then hopefully come back. Cause I still want to come back to animism, but I think the question that I had about witchcraft is that it's something that in many ways is super appealing to me for various reasons. And there's a part of me that also thinks that all women have the witch wound because of just our ancestral trauma. But I've also noticed that I sometimes feel like I don't, as a Asian person, as a non-white person, I feel like I don't have access to witchcraft or all the models that I see of like, you know, witches in the mainstream are generally white. So I feel like in my spiritual practice, I have, there's a lot of, I'm very familiar with like Asian, East Asian, South Asian um, traditions and, you know, Buddhism, meditation, like all of that stuff. And that's very familiar and comfortable to me, but witchcraft, it's like, it's, I have a weird relationship with it. Cause I'm like, I'm interested, but also sometimes I feel like I don't belong or I haven't been made to feel belong. Mm. And it's like, it feels, and I don't want to feel that way. So I guess my question, I feel like you're the perfect person to ask because you come in with this like social justice decolonial aspect of like, I don't feel like it has to be that way. So what would you say to someone, you know, a BIPOC who's interested in witchcraft and how do they reconcile those two things? Yeah, I think that that's a really good question. I think that it really says a lot about like whose voices get lifted up, like the narrative of what the witch is. I feel like, um, so I started my business back in 2016 as a tarot reader. And um, back then I felt like, oh, everybody's talking about witches. This is weird. I've been doing this for almost for like over 10 years. Let's just dive in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm, I'm realizing like exactly what that kind of means and looks like. Um, there's a really good book that I have, um, admittedly not read yet and forgive me, I'm going to Google it really quickly because I think that you would enjoy it. It's, um, by Alyssa Washuda and she is a, um, it's called white magic. Um, and she is an indigenous, uh, author, um, writing about like all of these intersections of race and witchcraft and stuff. Um, but I would say that there's a very big difference between like open and closed practices of magic. Um, everything that I teach, um, is an open practice. So like literally anyone can join. You don't need to be of a certain heritage to uh, kind of step into this uh, lineage um, of witchcraft, or um, you don't need to be a specific 
um, have like a specific ancestry to kind of like work with magic in the way that I personally work with magic. Um, I think one of the biggest things um, to do when you are uncertain of like your place in magic or witchcraft is look at the folk magic Mm -hmm. from wherever you kind of come from or Mm -hmm. even what you grew up with Mm -hmm. um and kind of using that as an entryway and then um I think some people also just don't vibe with the word witch because not every magic worker is a witch (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, so like if that just feels like it's not for you, then that's uh-huh. fine. You can be a folk magician, you can be a sorcerer, you yeah. can be a ceremonial magician. Like, yeah, there are well, all of these different aspects of it that, you know, like you can step into. Right. Is, is there a standard? Oh God, this is just opening up a can of worms, but is there a standard definition of which, or do you have a definition of which? And then of course, I know that there's probably going to be so many adjacent and differing answers to this. But I don't know if I have actually a, what I, a full understanding of what I think a witch is. I think a witch is just anyone who is like here to heal themselves. <laughs> like you oh, have the power, you have the power and yeah. it's from within and it's not dictated by, you know, external circumstances. So that's a very broad, that's the sort of thing like very, very, very broad, but you're coming at this from a much more experience. Like this is what you teach people. So you have a much more keen eye about these things. I'd be curious to know what your definition of witch is. It's funny, I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately because um, we're at a very interesting point in the history of magic where people are using the word witch really liberally. Um, So people who a century ago would never have called themselves witches are now calling themselves witches because Mm -hmm. that's kind of like the, almost like the shorthand culturally right now for someone who practices magic. And that is not necessarily like historically true, but I think that witch as a label is helpful because it does sort of like show a bit of active rebellion towards like overculture. The witch has always kind of been on the outside of culture in a lot of ways. Um, And, that kind of shows a certain alignment to me. Um, To me, some important aspects of witchcraft are like working with spirits, um, kind of devotional acts. Uh, Okay, we're gonna get into some devil worship here. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So like tradition, so like from a European folk perspective, right? Like traditionally, like what would separate the witch from the folk magician or cunning person that you would see to like fix you in the village, both are magic workers, but the witch was seen as the one who made the contract with the devil. So in certain ways, like I think of like a witch as somebody who does make that like kind of larger um, contract with a power outside of themselves. And that power can be mm-hmm. anything. Like, I'm not saying that like you need to be a double worshiper to be a witch. Obviously that is incorrect. <laughs> um, but, uh, I do see that as a part of it too. Um, for me, witchcraft is a bit more like spiritual and religious, whereas a lot of times for folk magicians, um, or some folk magicians that I've met, it's more about like 
the efficacy of what they are doing and the results that they want to see, particularly if they are working for clients. Like, okay, I've got this client who really wants um, this thing to happen. I want that thing to happen for the client. Um, and so I'm going to use magic to do that. Um, and that is very different from, I am going to worship, you know, um, the god Hecate, goddess of witches every full moon. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like a different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, historically, I will say that things like spirit flight or the witch flight, which is like um, astral projection or leaving your body, like tended to be more things that witches did and less things that like other magic workers did. Mm. Hmm. I really love this distinction of like, I, I think it's a really interesting idea, right? That like at least historically the witch is the figure whose whose magic is part of a spiritual devotional practice and that magic is also just useful (laughs) and there's a way in which we can just acknowledge the usefulness of magic and like you know cast your spells make your poultice like whatever the thing is and that and that and you can have access to that and 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 also you can also choose to let your witchcraft be this really like devotional practice. Um, I really, I find that really beautiful because I also think it legitimizes or offers a way to legitimize the magic in and of itself. Right. Like for me, like, you know, it's all, (laughs) it's all devotion. Like I, I, I had a devotional practice to mysticism long before I got to the point of like, Oh, I guess I'll call myself a witch sometimes. Um, but uh, but I think there's something really cool and fun here about the idea that like you can just do magic, whatever you want to call yourself, because it works. Oh hell yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I also am gonna say that like witch is such a broad term. If you want to call yourself a witch, like you don't need to follow my definition. You could mm-hmm. be like that doesn't ring true for me, Siri. I am a witch and I don't have a devotional practice. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's cool. Like yeah. I don't care. Yeah, Go be yeah. your witch self. Like it's yeah. fine. Right. Yeah. So coming is, um, I, I mean, I love also what you're saying about coming back to this idea of making it more accessible. I think it's super important that modern day witches such as yourself are being intentional about making it more accessible for other people, for, for anyone, basically, regardless of your lineage or ethnicity and all of that. But is, I guess I just have, do you have any other thoughts on that in, ten, in terms of like, um, yeah, like, I guess my question is, is witchcraft historically a white culture thing? Like, I don't even, I don't even know. Or is there, is there witchcraft across all cultures, but maybe not as highlighted? I mean, I mean I'd be curious to know. I don't even know if you have the answer to that. <laughs> um, I honestly do think that witchcraft is a global thing Mm -hmm. um no matter where you are people have been practicing magic um and uh it's you know there will always have been some people who were revered for their magical skills there will always have been some people who were cast away for their magical skills Mm -hmm. um 
And so I think that you can find witchcraft and magic in any like culture. I will say that I think that the kind of idea of the witch as white um, comes largely from like, it, at least we're all American, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So like speaking from as like an American, like our media is so heavy on depicting white witches and our media is so heavy on depicting magic that comes like from a more Wiccan or new age perspective Mm -hmm. um or in like a villainous perspective as well um so I think that that's a huge part of the like problem honestly Um, And also, there are a lot of traditions that are closed within like magical practice or witchcraft. And because they are closed practices, like, you don't want to necessarily like broadcast, like you wouldn't write a whole book about it. It's Mm -hmm. why it's really difficult to find, um, Mm -hmm. you know, really credible books on um, Native American magic, for example, it is extremely closed mm. um, yeah. and very much an oral tradition. And so uh, Wicca um, and to an extent other um, witchcraft traditions um, are just like flooding the market with books mm-hmm. about the craft. Yeah. Um, it actually Wicca, I think it's really interesting and important to note that Wicca um was developed in the 1940s um and books about wicca were only published um after the uk um lifted their ban on witchcraft wow so it was like illegal in the uk to practice witchcraft and in fact there was someone the last person who was tried for witchcraft in England was I believe in 1946 because people were concerned that she was using magic to like help the Nazis or something. Wow. That's super recent. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in certain parts of Canada, I'm probably wrong on this. Yeah. Um, But until very recently, witchcraft was still illegal in Canada. Wow. Um, That's, I, I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, because a lot of people who are magic practitioners are operating in places where it is illegal, like obviously they can't publish um, about witchcraft. And then um, because Wicca is intended to be an initiatory tradition that people can um it's intended to be an initiatory tradition that people like can come into. Um, and like, there are a lot of ways of like working solitary as a Wiccan. Um, then, you know, there are so many books about Wicca in particular. Um, and it really was so widely published and talked about that that particular tradition of witchcraft is um really widespread and I know that a lot of people even today who do not consider themselves Wiccan have magic that looks a whole hell of a lot like Wicca Mm -hmm. just because like those are the resources that are available Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um 
This actually brings me to one of the questions that I wanted to ask, which is that I was just really curious about your own journey to understanding. Wait, can I just, all right, can I do an audio timeout? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you guys hear my kids in the background? They're like one room over and like my husband's went to bed, but they were just wrestling a moment ago. And I just wanted to check how loud we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. I mean, I heard them earlier, but. Yeah. I've been trying to put it on mute, but let me know if it, if it gets really loud. <laughs> yeah. I think, can you, can you hear them Siri? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've All been, right. I've been tirading a lot lately. So <laughs> perfect. I mean, I've been, I put myself on mute cause it was really loud, but I just was like wanting okay. to check. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. Yeah. Okay. So this brings me to actually to a question that I wanted to ask you. I was really curious to know about your own journey into sort of Norse paganism and kind of what, what brought you there and kind of how you um, kind of fell deeper into it. And I think um, part of my question, like if I pull back the curtain and I'm transparent is because I often find a huge amount of resistance to like, like the, the, (laughs) the traditional, like I, you know, I'm, my great grandparents are from Ireland. So like I have Celtic ancestry, um, but I have like a ton of resistance to like tradition. Like there's a part of me that like needs to be a rebel so much that is like (laughs) really resistant to tradition. And, um, and I find it even like in some of the deities that show up that I work with, part of me is like, oh, maybe I should learn about their tradition. And another part of me is like, no, fuck it. They'll tell me what I need to know. And like really resistant to that. So my question is curious and also selfish that I want, I'm hoping that maybe I'll hear something in your answer that will help the rebel in me chill out. Yeah. <laughs> and can I, can I just also say thank you for diving deep already into the racism before we yes. even get to your personal story? Like, I love it. You're just here for it. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Am I being the, am I being the white lady who's like, oh, can we stop talking about racism so I can ask the question for my personal No, no, no. I mean, I think this is where the conversation's going. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. We're, we're just flowing. It's good. Just um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, my personal journey into Norse paganism, I'll, I'll just like talk about my journey of witchcraft in general. Um, So I was initiated into a Wiccan coven as a teenager. Um, And I say that very specifically because like coven Wicca is super different from solitary Wicca. Mm -hmm. It just like Mm -hmm. really is. Um, and the coven that I actually was initiated into did have a Norse flair, but at the time I was more interested in Celtic, um, deities and Celtic work. Um, and I kind of had like avoided Norse stuff for a really long time. Um, then as I kind of, I moved away, I decided to be solitary and no longer work within the coven structure. Um, and as I was talking to more pagans, I learned about the like deep, um, racism Mm -hmm. in a lot of aspects of Nordic, um, paganism. And that is very specifically because white supremacists after world war II utilized Nordic paganism to recruit white supremacists in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, to their groups because you have freedom of religion, even though Nazis were banned. So like, 
Yes. I was, and that is, I, a, that is a whole thing that I can talk a lot more about. Because well. I was curious <laughs> to, for you to unpack that. And I didn't, I didn't know that aspect of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. let's, can you actually unpack for a little bit? Cause there is this link. Like if you go to like, if you go to like Nordic message boards, there's like, uh, like, like the good ones have like a big message at the top. That's like how to spot racism. Oh, interesting. Wait, hold yeah. on. No, wait, wait, hold on. I want to go. I feel like we need to rewind. Cause I feel like yeah. we skipped the whole, whole part, which is like, how were you even initiated into a coven at 16? Like I'm, I'm amazed that that's where and your story starts. Like being in a coven <laughs> that is the share, like, you know, obviously there's privacy there, but like, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, oh, as someone who's always done solitary stuff, tell me more. <laughs> like that seems yeah, like already so- a huge, that's that's like a huge, I'm a huge piece right there that I'm like, yeah. How yeah, do we even so- get there? Oh my goodness. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a whole fucking story. Um <laughs> it's not a particularly pleasant one, actually. So I had always kind of like loved witches and everything, even since I was a very little kid, you know, loving like rooting for the witch in Snow White, <laughs> just like a weird hot take to to go for as like a five year old. Oh but... that's amazing. I <laughs> like, love that. Whatever. <laughs> so um, I'd always been really into witches and witchcraft, and then in somewhere around middle school, I learned about Wicca, and I was like, wait a minute, magic is real. Mm. Like I can be a witch um and then when I was a freshman in high school um I had a really traumatizing freshman year um which led into a very traumatizing sophomore year mm-hmm. um but I started dating someone who was the son of the Wiccan high priestess of the coven okay okay mm-hmm. and so it just kind of like naturally fell from there um it was literally personal connections um he was incredibly abusive, actually. Mm-hmm. And the coven itself was very toxic and abusive. Mm-hmm. So um, there's kind of a lot of like trauma to unpack around that. Like there's a reason I was solitary for a really, really long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still come up on like feelings about teachers. <laughs> and that's yeah. part of why I teach too, is because I had such a horrible first experience with teachers. Um so I wanted to make sure that there was someone out there for students who understands that and could provide like a more ethical um, kind of teaching framework. What are the, what would you say are the core values? Like based on that experience, what would you say are the core values of your teaching and what you think is really key to bring to the way you teach witchcraft? Um, I like to teach in a really like queer kind of co-teaching sort of way. Mm. In that I feel like everybody is the um, primary expert on their own experience and their own belief system. And so I'm not going to impose a, this is how it is, tough shit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. approach on my students. Um, and I'm kind of actually trying to thread the needle and navigate that right now. I recently announced that I will not be teaching the witchcraft immersion again next year, which is my year long course mm. in witchcraft. Um, and that is because my own practice is changing radically. And I don't believe in teaching what you don't know. So I need to take some time 
to know the things first before I teach the things. I just went through like a six month journey of that. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's like a whole fucking thing right now. Um, and so that's of course like a huge value of mine is like not to teach what you don't know. Like I can teach things from a historic perspective for sure without like having the, um, personal experience on that but um when it comes to the actual day-to-day practices I'd rather teach what I thoroughly understand Mm. um and then another so the witchcraft immersion was based around this idea that I wanted there to be a safe place for witches who were solitary who wanted a way to learn to kind of like move beyond um you know their own like what they could teach themselves yeah um but still maintain their core beliefs so you know I don't ask people to at at this point you know when I was designing the witchcraft immersion I didn't ask people to follow the Norse gods like I didn't ask people to learn specific things you know if somebody is incredibly uncomfortable with learning runes, they don't learn runes Mm. as a part of my teaching. Um, That will probably change in the future just because I am getting really specialized lately in my own practice. I am currently under the tutelage of two different people. Um, My mentor, my primary mentor is Kari Toring. She is a vulva, um, the like Nordic traditional like priestess from pre-Viking era. And so she is sort of like my personal guide at this time, but I'm also taking the year and a half long Nordic folk magic class with Johannes Gordbeck, who is the expert on Trolldom, which is the living tradition of Nordic folk magic. And he's actually like Swedish. Like I got up at like 7 30 this morning (laughs) because of the time difference so um so so I will probably when I teach again um it will probably be more specialized into my area of expertise but um it is also my belief that like you don't need to shed any previous beliefs I believe in dual faithism which is this idea that you can have multiple multiple faiths at the same time um and yeah it was like a long and rambly, but I hope it made sense. <laughs> yeah, well, we're at, we're asking you like seven questions at a yeah. time, and mm-hmm. we just keep asking more. So you're really rolling with it. I'm very yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. I am also a podcaster. Can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where do we leave off then? Is it, do we want to go back to your initiation, the traumatic experience that you had? And then, because the original question I think was, well, actually the original question was animism, which we still need to get back to. And I'm going to put an asterisk there, but the second original question, Kylie, that you asked is, you know, tell us about your journey. So I feel like we left off kind of like in terms of, you know, high school and having that traumatic experience. Yeah. So after I got out of that coven, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to be solitary for a good long while. And that was pretty much, that pretty much just looked like me doing like a really chill, um, full moon ritual, like not even that regularly, probably like every other month or something like that. Mm-hmm. I needed a little bit of space for my practice. I would do spells when I needed to do them. Um, and tarot reading for myself, just divination and reflection. Um, and then um, as I was 
kind of diving into where I wanted to go, I had learned about the, um, you know, neo-Nazi appropriation of Nordic symbols. And at the time I didn't realize it was the neo-Nazis appropriating something. I thought it was just like, oh, Nordic stuff is Nazis. Got it. I don't want to deal with that. so I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to be a Norse practitioner. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I've told the story a bunch, but it's kind of a funny story. And everybody's kind of like, Siri, what? Um, I wanted to get more into like a specific devotional work. I realized that, you know, the triple goddess of the Wiccan faith, like wasn't quite working for me. I wanted something a bit more specific. And so I cast a circle and I created a ritual, everything to call in a goddess and invite a goddess to work with me. Um, And I even explicitly used the word goddess and Odin shows up. (laughs) Wait, who's who's Odin? (laughs) Odin is like the all father of like Nordic, like Mm. the the Norse myth cycle. So like, He's I, kind I'm of asking, like, what, is it appropriate to say he's like kind of like the Zeus of like Greek mythology? Yes, yes, yeah. he's kind of like the Zeus, but um, also if you get a like an understanding of Odin's flavor, um, Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings was <laughs> highly uh, inspired by Odin. Oh, okay, cool, awesome. <laughs> um, Good frame of reference. Yeah, so he's he's generally depicted as an old man with a long white beard. He only has one eye. He usually wears like a hat like down low over his eye. And he's depicted as the wanderer. So like a huge part of Odin's deal is that he's always like wandering the earth looking for wisdom and preparing for the apocalypse. Um so very Gandalfian. Um I I don't know if I just made that word up, but I'm, I was gonna say I, I here love that it. word. I was like that seems so natural. Like you knew exactly what you're talking about, and it makes a lot. Of, it's actually a very good description. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so can I ask what was your reaction? Like, were you like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you weren't the one I asked for? Yeah. So actually, yes, that was my reaction, and also my reaction was, nah, like. <laughs> that's cute. You're not the real all father. You're just a spirit trying to trick me, (laughs) but I'll work with you and find out. Um, so I was very cautious because I do believe in spirits that are not deities that, you know, sometimes they fuck with you or like entities and sometimes they lie. And so I was like, all right, I'm along for the ride. We'll see what happens. Um, and then it just kind of kept getting more and more clear. Like, um, I had like a murder of crows, like following me around for a little bit. And like one of Odin's, like, to- like, like one of Odin's symbols is a raven, like just oh, like ridiculous. the shirt that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was just pretty ridiculous. And then I, after I'd started my tarot reading business, um reading tarot for others which I started largely because I had had a very strong tarot practice throughout all of this and then my friends started wanting to pay me for readings and it was sort of like I feel like 2015 is around the time that I noticed like a tarot renaissance happening that was like when I think I saw my first like the first time I saw like a tarot deck in Urban Outfitters specifically Mm -hmm. (laughs) 2015 
Um, so yeah. it was just like, oh, this is very popular. Okay. Um, so I had started my tarot business and then I felt a very intense calling to work with the runes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of picked up the rune set that I had made way back in the day and started to learn and like write my way through the Can runes. You explain what the runes, what runes are. Yeah. I, I don't actually know what runes are. So gi- yeah. Give us the one oh one. Yeah. So runes are, um, they are an ancient, not ancient. They're an old alphabet, um, from the like Scandinavian Germanic tribes. Um, they are generally, they're just like letters that are carved into stones. I actually have one right here, just like mm. chilling on my desk. This is Ingwa's. Um, and so each of the runes kind of has its own spirit. Um, they have many different meanings. Um, and it's like a system of divination, um, but it's also a magical system. So mm-hmm. in the like Nordic mythology, Odin is actually the one who like takes up the runes. It's, it's called like taking up the runes. He um, sacrifices himself to himself by hanging on a tree for nine days and nine nights Mm. and at the end of his sacrifice he 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 does this like hanging from a tree like over a well um and then at the end of that nine days and nine nights he like screams in agony and grabs the runes from the well and learns how to use them for magical purposes and for divination purposes Mm. and I think so that's the magical explanation of what runes are. The mundane explanation of what runes are is they are an alphabet. There are books written in runes from like the pre-middle e- pre-medieval era. Yeah. Um, I like your the first explanation so much better. I will admit, like, so in preparation for this call, I Googled runes and I was like, I didn't like, I was like, I don't understand this. I'm gonna wait for Siri to explain it. And I love your explanation <laughs> like 10 times more. So that just feels so much more alive rather than like yeah. the first thing that popped in on Google. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know what this means when I was reading about it in Google. Okay. Well, and sense. I think too, that runes are like, I actually like that. They're also like literally an alphabet yeah. um, because sometimes they spell things out literally mm. <laughs> like in a reading for clients. Cause the way that I usually read runes is I cast them on a cloth and the runes that are face up, um, when I cast them are the runes that I read. Um, And sometimes they make words because they are an alphabet. Mm -hmm. And then the words usually have a sort of resonance, Mm -hmm. Um, which is also just like, that's always like eerie spooky when that happens. You know, we had said in the very, very beginning, we talked about like the blending of the mundane with the spiritual. And so I love that this is like an example of where that literally, like a place where that literally lives that, um, these deeply magical, this deeply magical system is also an alphabet that you could write your name in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also think that to, you know, our ancestors who didn't live in a very highly literate society, you know, um, writing things down was magical. Yeah. Like that kind of record preservation was magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just got actual shivers. Yeah. I don't know if you had noticed that. Like, that. My- <laughs> to toe just like had a little a little shiver so yeah that's real (laughs) yeah okay so odin shows up 
you take up runes, you, you start your, um, you start your tarot practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the rest has been kind of history ever since then. I've been sort of like diving deeper and deeper into like Nordic, uh, faith. Um, yeah, it was within the last two years actually that I felt comfortable, um, reaching out to Kari, uh, my, um, primary mentor and asking if she would mentor me because of all the trauma from having been in like a terrible mm-hmm. coven I like mm-hmm. didn't want to teach her but I realized that I was separated from essential aspects of the path because I didn't have a teacher and mm-hmm. also because a lot of what is written you know like is good but if you know there's a, a more direct link to the culture then you know just like yeah the writing of someone in a book, um, then I wanted to take it. Okay. You're totally gifting me with something, which is, um, I'm realizing how much my resistance. So I grew up Catholic and there were, there are things that I'm really grateful for about that experience. Like the blessed mother and I are tight. Um, and like St. Anthony helps me find my keys on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> um, uh, like today, literally I, I asked, I was like, St. Anthony, where's my purse? And then I came around the corner and I was like, Oh, you were fast today. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was like cracking up at me. Um, but one of the things that I like found deeply uncomfortable, even as a small child is like this call and response is very scripted. Like this is the story it's official. You don't get to argue with it and you're required to believe it in order to be part of this. And so the written word aspect of Christianity has always been one of the things that I've been in real tension with. I also am someone with like a deep interest in Gnostic gospels and all of those, blah, blah, blah. Where this relates here is I find myself. So also just in transparency, like, uh, I don't know, like two months ago, Loki showed up and was like, hi, I live in your head now. So I've been especially interested in, <laughs> in Norse paganism because I'm like, oh, okay, well, if you live here, I guess I should learn something about you. Um, uh, but the like, these are the official written stories. Like these are, these are the real stories. Part of, um, part of any tradition makes me feel itchy and uncomfortable. And so... I'm curious to hear, uh, you know, how you've threaded the needle there, right? Does that make, does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it makes perfect sense. So there's something called like um, gnosis, which is, you know, what is written kind of the agreed upon aspects of a religion. Um, and then there's personal gnosis, which is mm-hmm. your personal association with St. Anthony or Loki or the Blessed Mother. Um, and you have a personal journey to walk with them. And I think that it is, there's some like weird trends I've noticed in like witchcraft authors online in my, you know, decades of paying attention. Um And sometimes people are very like, no, like we know the real history. The real (laughs) history is this. And this is the authentic tradition. Um, And then there'll be a swing in the other direction where it's like, no, personal gnosis is really important. You know, personal gnosis is even more real than what is written down in a real tradition. And um, yeah, I think that um, we need both, like any 
healthy practice really needs both because we don't want it all to just like live in our heads um, without getting some sort of like outside like verification. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I mean, I have had like a, I, I know people who have had like really troubled experiences either with like entities claiming to be deities or, you know, vice versa. So it's kind of a good idea to know the stories that deities have um, so that you can at least be like, okay, like I understand more about who you are and I'm willing to have this relationship with you. Yeah. Um, But then also like, who am I to say that, you know, like, I'm currently designing an incense to honor Freya and like, she's kind of guiding me on that. And yeah, I'm like double checking to make sure that none of the ingredients that I'm using in the incense are toxic, but like, mostly I'm just making it myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's fair. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kylie, I think you're asking like the bigger question. Like this is, this applies to, I think all advancement in our own personal journeys, which is like, um, at what point do you like take, I guess what I want to say simply is like, I think the path that I often take is like, I learn the rules so that I can break them. Mm. Meaning like you can't break the, like that's actually been really helpful for me. Like learning the perceived quote unquote, right way, traditional way, Mm. like written way of how it's done or how something is, is helpful to an extent but it's when you actually understand those things really clearly then you can like skillfully rebel in a way that's like coming from a place of wisdom and experience and knowledge yeah. do you know what i mean but when I do. without that experience you're not actually breaking the rules you're just being messy <laughs> do you know <laughs> what is, i mean that is so perfectly said that is yeah. so perfectly said because i mean that's also my like whole teaching ethos right now right like that's why I'm stepping away from publicly teaching because I need to figure out the rules again I'm playing in a different lane now so Mm -hmm. I need to take time away from that and you certainly can't teach the rules if you don't know them and you certainly can't teach the rules if you can't break them Mm. yeah and then you're going to get to a point where you're going to understand this new level where you're at and then you will evolve from that and make something your, your own. Like, I think it's really important that we get to involve and make something our own, that you can make incense without needing to like follow the guidebook because then otherwise mm-hmm. you get really trapped. That, yeah. that that can be just as dangerous as being like super messy and almost frivolous, right? Because I think there's mm-hmm. also a disrespect there when you're not honoring the sacred, like sacredness and traditions of where this is coming from. So it's like a really kind of fine balance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also think there's something interesting that can happen when we do give our personal gnosis a certain kind of um, like space. Cause what can happen is you receive like, oh yeah, you're, you know, my incense should have X, Y, and Z. And then you're reading something and it's a whole story or it's like a reference of like, oh, like these are the exact scents or herbs or associations with Freya that you're like, oh, I wasn't making it up. <laughs> that yeah. can be really validating that you would have been robbed of if you'd done the, like all the fact checking came first. Like mm. sometimes I think the like putting, letting the personal gnosis comes first allows you to be delighted and odd when you were quote unquote, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
so yeah, that, yes. that makes sense. I think, yeah, I think there's more, I think there's something I, I'm thankful because I'm receiving something about like written language and rules and like personal gnosis that I clearly is like in process. Um, because I do, I do think what something I'm hearing both of you say is like, at a certain point, there's a way that we have to you spoke Siri about this phase you went to where you were like, yeah, I did like a full moon ritual when I felt like it. And that was really like helpful. Like I needed that phase, especially after what you've been through. And I think for a lot of us who come in to our spirituality with, from some kind of um, religious trauma, whether it's like big or lit, right. Like, you know, I had my mom who was like always a rebel. So I had it like a counterbalance. It wasn't super trying to put it so small scale religious trauma. Anyway. Um, that we really need that permissiveness in order to feel safe. But then at a certain point, that permissiveness is like, well, if you, do you want to up, like, do you want to like, do you want to level up in your game? Like, do you really want to have this deep, meaningful connection with spirit? And if so, then maybe we have to tidy up the mess and like put some like structure to what you're been, have been playing in. And, uh, that can be tricky to navigate because it feels loaded. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't have an answer, but that was very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, secretly, I have a podcast. Get personal coaching. All oh, right. Next yeah. question. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Part of why we love this podcast. Okay. So where do we leave off, or where do you want to pick up, Siri? Ah, oh, shit. Um. Why, or did we kind of close that? We were, so we got to a place where we were like, okay, that's yeah, Kylie. You, you were going to say something. Well, you've been referring to how you feel like your your practice has really shifted recently, and so you're taking a step back in your teaching to kind of integrate and understand these shifts. Do you? Which feel I really admire, by the way. That's like yeah. very. That's like a res- that just feels very responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Sorry, I cut um, you off. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, do, do you feel comfortable talking through what some of those shifts are, even as they might be in process? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously like I'm still in training with Volvastav stuff that is, um, like the staff carrying person, um, is a specific kind of tradition that my teacher Kari has developed based on old, old records and trying to like create something that makes sense in the, in the modern day. Um, and so that just kind of feels like something that I want to lean into. And a lot of that is more so like helping like heal ancestral wounds in the community, like the, the vulva, um, part of their role was to travel between different towns and act as a sort of, um, like spiritual advisor or intermediary. Um, like in the Icelandic sagas, we have a couple of sagas that reference a vulva coming to town and she, you know, she's described in a specific way and she um, sits on her high seat and she um, advises people on what they should do. Um, and so that is more of like the spiritual leadership side. Um, and then honestly, like a huge part of it is practical too. Like I am in a uh, troll dome teaching with Johannes right now. Um, Johannes is a professional magician. Mm. He takes clients and has taken clients for 20 years. And he has a specific 
cultural tradition that he works in. Um, and I am like not even a year in to his course. And then after his course, um, I'm hoping to apprentice. Um, we'll see like all the knocking on all the wood that that mm -hmm. is a possibility. I'm doing it for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, and that apprenticeship is really designed to get you um, prepared to be a professional troll cunning, which is the mm -hmm. word for a professional magician in um, Swedish. Uh, okay. Wait, and so that just so like on a questions. very like, <laughs> yes. And so that just like on a very practical level, like my magic is not Wiccan anymore. Mm. Like my magic just looks really different now. Um, and I'm not done learning that and like, I can't teach Nordic folk magic because I am still learning Nordic folk magic and, 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 and all the things. <laughs> okay. So for some, for someone coming with like very little knowledge and experience of witchcraft and even some of what you're talking about, like, what do you mean by a professional magician? Like, what does that entail and what does he do? So, yeah, so he's very much within the, um, uh, I referred to a cunning person like earlier in the podcast. So that would have been someone who was sort of like the person in your European village who probably like had a little hut, like a little house on the outskirts of the village that like, if you wanted a love spell or if you thought that you were cursed or if you wanted someone to rid your house of pesky spirits, you would go to that person. Mm -hmm. And that person also had a, like an extensive knowledge of herb lore and, um, uh, you know, medicine, like practical, like medicine outside of like a like a doctor as we would think of a doctor today. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were actually like very highly esteemed in their communities, unlike the witches who were largely people that um, were inconvenient for authorities and were therefore burned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the cunning people were generally not victims of like the, um, the witchcraft trials. Mm. Um, and so, you know, at that time, of course, we kind of talked about what, what's the difference? What is a witch? Like there, why are so many more people calling themselves witches now when like in the past, it could have been like a life or death thing. Like, I don't call myself a witch. I am your like cunning folk who lives on the end of, edge of town, who is more like a, a community doctor, mm. doctoring with magic. Um, so um a troll cunning then is just basically like the nordic equivalent of that um and so what johannes and his apprentices and his students do now is they practice troll dome um and they use that to do spell work for clients mm -hmm. um so that could look like fertility spells it could look like um you know, love magic. It could look like money magic. Like if somebody really wants to like level up their business, it could look like a lot of different things. Um, if there's like a magical remedy for uh, trouble that you are having, then a magician can do that.
Okay. Hold on. <laughs> of course, like, witches wait. will do it too, but like there's actually like a living, like breathing, ongoing tradition of like that magician that has not died. Oh, I, mm. I have like so many questions. Kylie, do you? I go. I mean, go. okay. So, well, first of all, just thank you. I feel like you're opening up, honestly, my eyes in my world to kind of what you were saying earlier, like, um, to be clear, I, from a young age have always believed in magic, but earlier you referenced a point when you were also younger, where you're like, magic is real. I'm having one of those moments of seeing like other ways in which, like what kind of magic you're talking about and how this is real. So first of all, fun, cool. Like, <laughs> sounds just like amazing. Um, so would you, so, do you, so essentially it sounds like magic can help in assisting with anything, like any type of challenge that someone might be facing in their life. Yeah. That being said, is there ever a time where you feel like magic isn't appropriate? Like when does it become a slippery slope of someone like, cause then anyone could just go to a, 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 a witch or a magician and say, Hey, I want to make, I want a million dollars. Like how, you know, how does that how does that work? And how does that not work? And when is someone going to be like, no, like that's not what we do or, or I don't ethically feel like that's the right thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that every kind of magician has their own perspective on what is, you know, ethical. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody once about that actually very question. And, um, they said, oh, if you don't think it's ethical, like, way overcharge them <laughs> and then they won't pay for your services <laughs> interesting okay so uh -huh. yeah make so my like, ex-boyfriend fall in love with me okay that will be one thousand dollars <laughs> exactly exactly and then I was like oh but what if they call your bluff like what if they do and then you're like well then you do the work and you have a thousand dollars interesting yeah. okay or and you like, could just say that's like could you couldn't you just say like I'm not here for that you could you can also yeah. just be like nah I'm sorry my schedule filled up I don't have time yeah or just that that's just like not aligned with like how I want to use my magic <laughs> yeah totally yeah. yeah so um so yeah it's like super dependent on the person I think for me um I will not see I I don't currently have like an active um, like I'm, I'm not currently seeking clients in witchcraft. I may soon, but, um, not as of the recording of this podcast. Um, so for example, I would never see somebody who was dying of cancer, mm. who wanted me to, um, take care of, like get rid of the cancer. Um, at least not at this point in my career, because I, first of all, don't, don't know that I am skilled enough yet to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, you know, there's a reason allopathic medicine is important. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like there is a reason you go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. Like there are some things that I'm just not trained in. Yeah. Um, and so that is one. Um, I am very wary of love spells, like when they're directed at a specific person personally, um, that is a little bit of a controversial point. Um, a lot of witches see that as like, um, 
mm, questionably ethical territory. I will cast a love spell if it is about magnetism, like mm-hmm. drawing a good lover to you or like mm-hmm. drawing more romance and love into your life. But as soon as it's like, no, like I want to bone Bob over there, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not here for that anymore because yeah, then yeah. you get into coercion. Yeah. Right. Um, that's that, that's kind of what I'm wondering, like where are the ethics of witchcraft, you know? I'm sure that could be like yeah. a whole conversation itself, but you're touching on my question. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that it's really just like, first of all, it's up to the witch. Um, you know, different traditions of witchcraft have different um, ethics. So for example, a really famous one in Wicca is the rule of three, which is um, if you cast a uh, curse or a negative spell against someone, then that will be reflected back to you three times over in your life. Um, I personally do not ascribe to that. Um, but within the tradition of Wicca, like that is a guiding principle for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on your school of thought. Um, if you are within a specific tradition, if you are not within a specific tradition, then you kind of are challenged to figure out like, okay, like what really are my ethics, mm-hmm. my personal ethics on this? Yeah. Yeah. It's just really funny. Cause I literally had someone message me today and I don't like, I practice spells for myself. Cause I think it's fun. And like, I visited my brother this summer and I was like, Hey, I'm practicing spells. Do you want some more money? <laughs> like, can I practice on you? You know? Um, but, uh, so it's funny. Cause I had someone today message me and be like, Hey, what's the deal with love spells? Do they work? Are they okay? Can I do one? <laughs> so it's just very timely. And I answered kind of exactly how you said, like my personal philosophy is like, if you're saying I want to call in love, of someone who has these types of characteristics, cool. If you're saying like, I want that specific person to fall in love with me, that feels like you're fucking with their sovereignty. And that just goes against to me, like the whole game is like allowing each one of us to be as sovereign as possible. So that really goes against spiritual expansion, which Mm. is my guiding, like at the end of the day, like that's what it's all about for me. Um, Anyway, so it's just funny that I had this question out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, I personally also think that sovereignty is really important and is a huge goal of mine in my own practice. And so, you know, like I'm constantly thinking about that, you know, particularly if and when I do begin taking spell work clients, yeah. um, you know, and then you can also I, I always recommend. So this is a little bit of business advice and business savvy. I always recommend that people have like a um, a code of ethics listed on their website. Mm-hmm. Um I did that even as a tarot reader. Um, I was like, I am not going to give legal or medical advice as a tarot reader, you know, and Mm -hmm. I like clearly outlined these things that I was not comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. And then if somebody asked me to do them, I could say, no, check out my code of ethics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think about if you want something else from me. Yeah. Smart. I I have a question. So we've kind of fallen down this lovely uh, top rabbit hole. What is your feeling as the magician or the witch to like for the outcome of the spell, right? Always track it, always track Mm. it. Um, Because then you know if it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, So in my grimoire, actually, I always leave space. Um, After I've written down, you know, like what I did, I leave space to come back six months later with any observations that may 
um, you know, be directed back to that particular ritual or that particular spell. Um, sometimes what you want is personal empowerment. And if you feel empowered after you did the spell, then, you know, that is your result. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have also seen like actual, like really strong results from magic occur. And it's really powerful to be like, I did this thing. And then I got $400 randomly the next week. Mm -hmm. Um, or like I did this specific money spell and suddenly like I got a thousand dollars or like whatever, yeah. or, you know, even just like maybe doing the money spell means you got to raise at work. Like mm -hmm. there might be some very specific, tangible outcomes to what you were doing. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work and that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes you fail and that's okay. Cause like, we are not all powerful, all seeing beings. Like that's just like, not what we are. <laughs> Do you have a sense of some, you know, again, your own practices evolving, but do you have a sense of the things that, you know, both for people you've taught or for yourself, you're like, oh, this is the kind of thing that will get in the way and make it more likely that your spell is quote unquote unsuccessful. Yeah. Like I'm actually really curious what makes a, a spell work and quote, not work. Like, yeah, I don't know enough. Like, I'd be curious to know, is it like energetics? Is it the the words of a spell like what yeah <laughs> I think a lot of it is energetics I think that um it's interesting that you both come at this from such a like point of personal healing and personal empowerment um because I think that that is an essential practice for any um magic worker um to work on so for example if I do all of these you know, spells for money. Money is just like a really tangible, like example. Yeah, it's, I can it's measurable in a way that other things aren't. Yeah. 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 Um, so if I'm doing all of this, these spells for money, but I don't believe inherently that I deserve security and stability, then that belief might get in the way of me putting that energy truly out there. Um, and that, that is not so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that is not to say that like, you have to have fixed all your issues to <laughs> do magic successfully. It just means that you have to kind of examine it. And, you know, maybe if you find that you're casting all of these money spells and none of them are working, then you need to start doing some shadow work and like really diving deep with yourself and being like, okay, like, what is my deal with money? right now mm -hmm. like what is mm -hmm. something that feels like I can work on and then maybe you want to do like a like an affirmation every day where you repeat like three times three times daily like I am worthy of or you could come take my free master class <laughs> money <Right>. magic <laughs> nice pl nice plug Kylie <laughs> right exactly exactly so like it's a shadow you know, it's a shadow work workshop that's yeah that's gonna um, be awesome yeah. We love it. <laughs> we love to see it truly. Um, and, and also actually one of the things that I have found, this was a long, long time ago. The very first time I was like, okay, spells are real. Like people seem to think that, cause I, I come from the Akashic records, but that's my, that's my practice. And then I just like add other things that feel fun. And so, um, one day, like a long time ago, I was like, people do spells. I'm going to like 
I don't know, watch a YouTube video and make a spell. Why not? That sounds, I sure I have bay leaves in my cabinet, like whatever. Um, but what happened after I did this money spell was <laughs> a bunch of triggers showed up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, which also very much makes sense because like, you know, my journey is to like have fallen a thousand times around money because it's what I'm supposed to teach. So, so it was like the spell worked in that I was shown exactly where the problems were and I could either pay attention to them and integrate them or rail and be annoyed that the spell had failed. And then like, of course there was this super cool synchronistic moment where like I opened the jar, I put this spell in like, I don't know, months later. And like the exact amount that was written was the amount in my bank account or something. Like some, some cool synchronistic thing that was like, haha, this actually worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. anyways, just to say, I think, again, I'm, I'm like a, you know, new to like intentional witchcraft, but I do think sometimes the not working can be a working. It just might not look the way you think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely shows up in your experience. Okay. So Siri, if for those who are new to witchcraft, um, where would you recommend people start who Mm. who want to learn? And basically (sighs) I'm pointing at myself here. (laughs) I'm talking about me. (laughs) What does even need Um, to get started? (laughs) The self-serving questions here that I think hopefully though, I think might be, you know, really helpful for other, for our listeners as well. Um, so I love books. I am a very bookish witch. Um, so let me just, uh, look at a couple of titles for you. Um, so I highly recommend if you are a kind of person that likes to read mm-hmm. and that that is how you like to gain information, yeah. um, that you read really widely at first, mm-hmm. like, yeah read you know um starhawk is a classic um starhawk author starhawk yeah her book is the spiral dance was like really popular not without its problems she developed like a turf phase later in her Mm -hmm. life and has now apologized for being a turf for a Mm -hmm. while messy but also deeply influential Mm -hmm. um you know, one of my closest friends, Cassandra Snow, um, wrote a book called Queering Your Craft, which really helps with the basics. And if you are a queer person, it is a really good read um, to get a handle on the basics. And it's also incredibly accessible, you know, like from a cost perspective or mm-hmm. from, you know, like a lot of different like perspectives and barriers mm-hmm. um, are kind of lifted through her work, th- through their work. Um, Okay, I'm like literally rolling over to my witch shelf. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I, while you're looking, I'll ask, ask Kylie, do you have any favorites? I know you've been delving into this more recently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but like everything I do, it's mm-hmm. like so hodgepodge. So you yeah, know? how have so, you been picking up things? So I did get some, I did get a book. I think it's called riding a silver broomstick and there were things about oh my that I really... god silver waving wool <laughs> yes and I really liked it although it is very like it's very much to kind of the stuff you're talking about like it's very much from this Wiccan perspective so it's like very um it's it's really a book about a about religion and witchcraft mm-hmm. and and I was really interested like I liked I found it interesting to read that part but I yeah. was like this isn't my religion like yeah. 
Yeah. And so I think if I had picked it up when I was like, even a couple of years ago, I would have felt like, oh, again, that story of like, I because this is the Catholic thing. The Catholic thing is you have to believe all of this in order to be part of the group. Oh, right. Yeah. So I think if I had read it when I was younger, I would have felt like, well, I'm not, I don't resonate with the religious aspect. Like, I don't really care right. about the spells. Right. So you would have rejected the whole thing. So I guess I can't practice spells. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm in a place where I'm like, oh, cool. I'm just learning about someone's religion. And then take what you I like, can leave the rest. Play with what speaks to me, which, yeah. as we spoke about, comes with its own consequences because then you're potentially undisciplined and messy and, you know, you could use some rigor. So um, it's not perfect, but that's where I am now. Um, yeah, so I've pulled many a title from the shelf, um, and I'm pulling even more. Okay. So- <laughs> oh my goodness, this is amazing. I'm so excited. Like, books are my love language, so... Yeah, I wish Books you guys and magic are my yeah. like two deep loves after my children. So. But also, listeners, I just wish you could see this bookshelf. She's got this like high bookshelf just packed with books of yeah her witch bookshelf. <laughs> it's actually ex- I need another one. I have too many. I'm like ruling a library over here. Um, so this is kind of an off the wall recommendation, um, which is Keys to Perception by Eva Dominguez Jr. Um, And I like this specifically because a lot of witches end up dealing in psychic stuff. And this is an incredibly practical guide to psychic development. Um, And I think that's the reason that's important is because discernment is incredibly important for any student of witchcraft to have. Like, am I really experiencing this? you know, how many signs do I need to wait for before I act on this? Um, that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. and it also has like meditative techniques to help you get really in touch with yourself. So there's that one. Then there's a book called Weave the Liminal by Laura Tempest Zakroff. I love that title. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good. So um, Tempest, yeah. for, she goes by Tempest for short, um, is a fantastic kind of more modern witch who does a lot of like writing of all of her own rituals and stuff. And so she talks a lot about like theory and stuff and gives you ideas on how to, I know. I'm so... I know. Sorry. I literally like spent time Googling like theory because like, I'm like, I'm an academic at heart. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I need someone to explain to me like, why this works so that I can break it apart and make it my own. And so all these people who are like, here's, here's a love spell. I'm like, that tells me nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. This is a perfect right. example like of like knowing the rules this. though. This is like a perfect example of knowing the rules so that you can break them. Yes. And yeah. actually, right. again, the rules for me is like, what is that super nerdy academic theory? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that is exactly how Tempest kind of approaches that book. She's like, here's a framework play. thank you thank you you were an answer to a prayer that i sent out in august (laughs) (laughs) wonderful so then queering your craft by cassandra snow for those queer witches out there um and this actually i think is like a really good it's a really solid introductory text for anyone um but there are specific like spells and things that are uh resonant in the lgbtqia community cool um Listeners, I hope you're taking notes because I, I am. am. I am. Okay. <laughs> I'm also very excited about that one because, um, yeah, I think a lot of witchcraft is really, well, again, just 
in and like in my the limited exposure that I've had, there's a lot of like sacred god, sacred goddess, dualism stuff that like I just can't energetically get excited about. So I'm very excited. I have a star next to queering your craft and weave the liminal. So <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so then the crooked path um is another book by a friend of mine, Keldon. Um, but I actually I I really think that this is a very good if you're interested in more like traditional witchcraft or witchcraft that is based more on folklore than on Wicca, um, this is a really, really good introductory text and it has a ton of different um, rituals outlined and spells that you can practice. And um, it's heavy on both theory and practice, which I really like. Um, then in that same kind of tradition of witchcraft, we have Treading the Mill, Workings in Traditional Witchcraft by Nigel Pearson. Um, and this is, is just a really seminal text in you know this kind of witchcraft. So if, if the folkloric witchcraft thing is your bag, this is a good text. And then this one, which I have not yet finished because it is an absolute tome, is New World Witchery. Um, and so this is a like history um, and like grimoire compendium and all of this stuff on specifically like North American folk magic. Mm. Um, and so of course there's like folk magic from a bunch of different like North American cultures in here. Like it's not just like white North American magic. Mm -hmm. um and it's beautiful I love like folklore I love like folk magic there's a reason why I'm moving that direction in my own yeah. personal practice yeah so highly recommend this one as well awesome. um thank you this was so helpful yeah I'm excited I love a good book, book recommendation yeah this is great it <laughs> so my local bookstore place in a yeah. witchy order yeah <laughs> Yes. And then I think if you're not a bookish learner, there are a lot of really good podcasts out there. Plug the Heathen's Journey podcast is where you can find me Yay, in the yeah. podcast sphere. Um, yeah, we were going to ask you what your podcast was anyway. The Heathen's Journey. The Heathen's Journey. Oh, the Heathen's Journey. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Cool. Dirty Heathen. Um, <laughs> love it. Cool. Uh, New World Witchery, actually. Um, Corey it's a podcast as well um that is fantastic um and uh I would stay away from like YouTube and TikTok because both of those platforms kind of like you get famous for being angry mm -hmm. um or for hot takes and stuff like yeah. anger like really fuels those platforms um and that's not super helpful. Um, and also like, there's no vetting process really like because the algorithms also, so this is like a whole fucking rant on my own, but um, Please rant, the floor is yours. <laughs> social media, social media really privileges white and attractive voices, white and attractive creators um, and young creators. Mm -hmm. who do not have decades of experience, who do not have 
you know, this like huge well to draw on. Some people do, like, I mean, there are definitely some experts on those platforms, um, but I would, I would recommend staying away from them for a while. On the other hand, um, going to your local like witchy bookstore, as long as you're being safe for COVID times, mm-hmm. like is a really good option. Um, yeah. Often people are teaching classes. You can take a class on um, sigil making, or you can take a class on elemental magic or whatever it is. Oh, that's such a good point. Um, I, live, I live in Portland now. I moved here this summer. I'm like, I know there's gotta be witch classes all oh, over yeah. the place. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So like go to your actual like physical place. Um, also yeah. a thing that a lot of cities have now, they're not super, com- it's not super common, but in Minneapolis, we have a yearly uh, pagan pride festival mm. um, where you can go and you can like talk to different religious leaders. You know, maybe there is a coven that you want to begin to work with. Maybe there is, you can get like connected to um, a certain kind of community group. Like learning from people in those spaces is also really good. Yeah. Um, so as much as I love all these books, like don't be afraid to just get started. Don't be afraid to dive in. And the biggest tip I have for a beginner witch, no matter where you're getting your practices from, um, is to keep a journal, keep your own grimoire so that Mm. you can track the results of the magic that you are doing and, um, you know, watch your progress over the course of your practice. Mm. That's such a generous response to that question. Like seriously, it would have been okay for you to be like, trust your instincts and find people you trust to follow. But instead you gave us like, like a year's worth of resources to really seriously dive in. And that's just a really beautiful response. Thank you. Yeah. What a gift. I am. I am a teacher and a nerd at heart, so I am always going to give you homework. <laughs> well, I like homework, so that's yeah, perfect. Where yeah, we're in, you're in a good, good. We're your, yeah, we're your ideal students. <laughs> good. So Eva sometimes ends our um, when we're kind of wrapping up ish. She asked this question that I love, and I'm going to ask your question if I may. Eva, of course, which is, yes. In our beautiful, wide ranging conversation, is there something that we haven't spoken about? that you think is important to voice you've asked better than yeah me, or like something that um something that we didn't ask that maybe we should have <laughs> <sighs> I don't think so I think we've really covered a lot um <laughs> yeah godspeed to your editor man uh, <laughs> whoever does that we love you jennifer yeah, shout out to jennifer <laughs> if anyone needs a podcast editor we've got the best hookup yeah she's really uh, truly awesome but all right cool um yeah well where can people find you and is there Wait, a way to do work with you oh i was gonna can we no, can we that? do this first and then joy after okay yeah 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 okay. we're good is there a way that people can work with you right now, just your podcast, but and it sounds like there's a couple ways that you've taken a step back. So where can people find you and, and how can they work with you if they can work with you? I can't believe I went an entire goddamn conversation without mentioning this. I opened an apothecary online <gasps> this summer. Shit! 
I did see that on your website. I looked at your website and I, I was, yeah, I was just in awe of like some of the stuff that you were creating. So yes, let's talk about that girl. Let's talk about your apothecary. <laughs> the worst marketer. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything we missed? You're like, nah, we're good. I have a store now. <laughs> um, so my vision with the apothecary was really to create a, like an online resource for people to purchase, um, you know, magical goods from uh, creators that I know and love um, and to kind of like have a really good resource for um, like the kind of magic that I like to do. Like I've got a bunch of uh, texts on the website right now that are focused on, um, you know, traditional witchcraft. Um, I'm bringing in more titles. Can we buy these books from you? You can buy this one from me right now. Um, treading the mill. Treading the um, mill. Everybody, go buy that book from what's the name of your apothecary? Um, so my website is northernlightswitch.com, mm. and I just added a store. <laughs> it's just northernlightswitch.com/apothecary. I was mm-hmm. like, "Fuck having two websites. I'm not doing." That. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm hoping to expand and get these other books in stock. It's just you know, as a small business person, I can only like stock so many mm-hmm. products at a time. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have a line of candle. I have two different lines of candles um, that are thoughtfully created and crafted. Um, one of which I have a lot of really exciting candles right now that have like Latvian folk magic symbols, mm-hmm. like as a part of them. Um, like I'm bringing in some new incenses and like perfume sprays. Um, I have a whole line of anointing oils that I absolutely adore from um, Swamp Witch Stephanie. They're affordable and they're also um, very effective because I use them in my personal craft. Mm. Um, And that has been really a labor of love. Like I really, um, I love curating things. I am a little bit of a magpie. I like to um, see what's out there. I like to learn. Oh, I also have like a, a t- different tarot decks and you can purchase rune sets from me as well if you are interested in diving into either of those, um, but don't yet have a, a set of runes. Um, yeah, that's I'm, that's I'm really here fun. right now and I just want everyone to know this is so much fun. Like <laughs> I lo- I'm, I'm on your, I'm looking at your apothecary right now and I just am beside myself with excitement. It's so cool. Yeah, that's, it's yeah. really that sounds like so much fun. An apothecary. Yeah. What a dream. Yeah. Really cool. Yes. Yes. I was like, I want to, you know, um, have some ways that people can like sort of work with me, but without me being like present seven hours a day, mm-hmm. every day, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I could read every day of the week, but, um, that is not sustainable for me. No, right. um, no it's not. <laughs> yeah. And I also like very much appreciate the perspectives of other people and creators and wanted to like give people a trusted yeah, place to find things yeah that's yeah. really awesome yay oh my gosh. Okay, and cool. do you do you also do readings right now like tarot readings yes, yes i do both tarot and rune readings i may have a new kind of reading coming out um sometime that would be more around like reading the spirits that are surrounding you um cool. Okay, when yes. that one's ready, I'm, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> interested in that. Yeah. Um, very cool. That is, I'm very bashful about it because I'm 
like still honing that particular thing. Yeah. Bashful, well, can I but- ask what's the process for you of like, um, of like sensing this new way of doing readings or healings or whatever it is, it's like coming through. What is the process for you of knowing that it's something you do now versus it's something that you do and you share with people? Does that question make sense? Yeah. So I have this weird trajectory in my business that I don't know if other witches have dealt with this, but it is something that I described to Johannes and he laughed at me. Johannes is my Swedish teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, so when I started reading tarot professionally, it was because I was seeing people who had only been reading for less than a year, make really successful online businesses. And I was like, well, fuck that. I've been doing this for over a decade. It started out of spite, but now it is truly a labor of love. <laughs> I always say people who are succeeding and are totally fucking mediocre are my best inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, so that was that part of hilarious. it. And then also at the same time that that was going on, like people were getting so much more interested in tarot in general. And so I had friends coming to me and being like, can I get a reading? And then me saying, oh yeah, I'm just doing this for practice. And then being like, no, here's 50 bucks. Like that was really helpful. Yeah. Um, so that was a very clear sign that like, this is something I should charge for now. And then, um, when I started to offer rune readings, it was because I was writing a very popular column on runes and people were like, why can't I book a rune reading with you? Like, I'm fascinated by your take on this. And I was like, well, that is a very good second question. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. if you want to give me money for it, give me money for it. Um, and then when I started teaching, it was because people were asking me to teach. So I was like, okay, clearly like this is mm-hmm. a sign. And with the, um, with these like new, like spirit readings, I don't even know what to like, how to refer to them. They're kind of like psychic readings, but that has such a bad rap, um, that I don't want to call them that, but they're basically like talking to different aspects of self, different, um, calling in different like spirits or, you know, just like talking to spirits that are following you or are a part of your whole ecosystem. Um, and shortly after I started doing this more frequently for myself, um, I had like two or three people ask me to do it for them. Mm. Like one friend was literally like, the candles on my altar keep exploding. Why? Can you do a tarot <laughs> reading for me? And I was like, that seems like a spirit problem. So I'm going to do a spirit reading for you. So a lot of it is kind of like that. Um, oh, that sounds like seriously. I, can't, I yeah, I can't wait to give you money for that. That sounds so cool. <laughs> it sounds cool. I, I, it makes me a little bit nervous too because I think there's something really like, like I don't know, kind of. Oh, I don't know. If scary is the right word, but yeah, it just makes me nervous, but not like in a bad way. Kind of like in a good way. That also it's like vulnerable. that's. A- that's a good representation of like Eva and Kylie's take on mystical things. I'm like, oh, cannonball. <laughs> yeah. Eva's like, I'm just going to like make sure the water's not full of sharks. <laughs> yeah. it's. I think it's more that I'm like, um, well, it's different things for different reasons. Sometimes I think I have a real fear of going into the darkness. And I think other times I'm just straight up skeptical if I'm being honest. So that's, I think that's, totally. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's totally. Yeah. 
And uh, we love skepticism here. We love to see it. It's a huge and wonderful guide. Yeah, I think it's um, a huge part of the process. Yeah. 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 That's one of my favorite things to teach about. And like when I teach Learn to Read the Records, like the first or second module is like, let's talk about how doubt is awesome. Like, let's talk about how it's like something that you really should revel in and celebrate, mm-hmm. um, but not let turn into cynicism. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, 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 yes. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. All right. All so right. I think we've come to our round of joy. Siri, we like to end each episode um, with a round of joy. Well, we'll all share one thing that's bringing us joy in the moment. So what's one thing that's bringing you joy right now, Siri? Um... I have been reading some old favorite books of mine and that has been very wonderful. Like I, other than this podcast recording and a different recording I did earlier today, I basically just like sat on the couch and read all day. And it was, oh, yeah. and sounds, then, yes, sounds divine. Yeah. 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 What can I ask what these old favorite books are? Um, so if you've ever read the golden compass trilogy, yes those ones so heart-wrenching and so good um yeah awesome great how about you Eva what's bringing you joy um do you want to go first Kylie sure yeah I think I always go first what's one thing that's bringing you joy um okay so all right audio timeout I have to burp and so I was trying (laughs) to to use so I could mute and burp you can leave okay. this in that's yeah. fine I don't yeah. care I love you. Yeah. Just, yeah you can you can burp we'll get that out as long as you're comfortable okay <clears throat> so uh before um we recorded my husband was playing guitar for, I, I got him a guitar for our anniversary he had played guitar for a long time and didn't have one and um and so I got him one for our anniversary this summer which has been really lovely because he's someone who is so like he works so hard you know he's just the kind of person who's like works his job cooks he does the cooking like he, you know that stereotypical dynamic of like the the husband who's like a kind of a freeloader and the wife who does everything like that like reverse the genders and that <laughs> is our family dynamic you know my husband is just like takes such good care of us so classic Capricorn oh yeah he's a Capricorn (laughs) sun and moon like he's just (laughs) um and so he has just been like as soon as I got him his guitar because I was just like oh I like want to try to give you some access to something that's fun and he's like plays guitar for the kids all the time now and it's just like really like lovely and they like dance or they ignore him like but he's having a lot of fun and we're having fun and then tonight he was like okay this song's for your mama and then he played um the the Elvis Presley song uh what's it what's that song called now my mind is drawing a complete thing um you mentioned it earlier um (laughs) falling in love with you yeah I can't help falling in love with you and I just started listeners I started sobbing literally like my daughter's like playing with ponies and my son is like sitting around and I'm just sitting in the corner of the room just like sobbing happy tears yeah what did Nick say to that did Nick see you oh yeah he I mean like he's married married we've been together for like 18 years he's like yeah she's emotional (laughs) (laughs) but it was also so sweet because then my son was like 
he's always confused when I happy cry. And so he's like, and then this was like, usually I happy cry, but it's like a little sniffle. This was like these big yeah. bad tears. Yeah. Happy cry. You know, like those like sweet moment that happens at like just the right moment, you know? Yeah. And that's and also then, just such a good song. It's such a good song yeah. to be serenaded by your husband. Like, oh my God, it was really, really beautiful. And so, and it was cool because I was having someone appreciating like he was doing something fun for himself. Mm-hmm. And then like, he and I was just like observing my family having fun and then I got a gift in like sent back to me in that so anyway it was reciprocity (laughs) and then I was making tea afterwards and my son came running in and was like okay you look normal again great (laughs) (laughs) just wanted to make sure you're okay yeah 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 yeah. so anyways that brought me a lot of joy and and a lot of gratitude that's a really beautiful story Yeah. yeah yeah okay how about you Eva um, so my joy for this week is something that I'm surprised I haven't talked about yet. So actually I might've mentioned it to you, Kylie. Do you know that I joined a mastermind at some point? You did I mention that? did mention this and they, 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 you really, really love the other people in this mastermind. Yeah. So that's as much as I got. So for those of you who don't know what a mastermind is, is, I mean, I guess it could be, there's probably a gazillion different variations, but what I signed up for was to connect with other women who were also running businesses and we meet we were meeting weekly and now we meet bi-weekly, but the point is, it's just like having that community of people who are on the same path as you, but like also in the same kind of like, I think what's what I'm looking for. There's like, not just on the same path, but you're in the same, like similar part of your path. Like you're, we're not mm. in the super beginning or not like super in the end. It's just like, so I can't even explain it. First of all, I love the women who are in this group, but there's something very, for me, like, I didn't even know how much I needed this until I got mm-hmm. into the group. And I was like, so affirming about hearing about other people's experiences and having to be able to share my experiences and supporting one another and like laughing and just, um, yeah, to feel so seen and heard by your peers, I think is like, mm-hmm. can, is like really important medicine. So that's been going on for months now. And, um, we just had another call today and just, everyone is just so wise and has like wisdom to share. And then like, everyone just kind of coaches each other and it makes me, is there someone who's like the host of it or is it just this kind of peer led thing? Um, well, not surprisingly, I've ended up being the host because again that Capricorn energy has just like really come in and I've just Mm -hmm. been like, okay, organizer, blah, blah. I just, I have a tendency to just uh, I can, I can like do that leader facilitation part quite easily if I need to. So yeah, I think my point though, is not just that this is bringing me joy, but like everybody go out and get yourself some, like a group of peers where you can connect and share your sorrows and your joys. And if people are supporting you, what it could, you know, like for this is just around business, but it can be around anything. It makes me feel like I want to start a mastermind around, so it could be around spirituality, but really I think I'd also be interested in like supporting like, uh, Al-Anon folks, which is like people who like, um, yeah, this is something I've talked with Adam about before. It's like, I I feel like this is in my future. I just, can you define Al-Anon for anyone who's listening who doesn't know? Yeah. Sorry. So actually I don't, um, what is the actual acronym? Do you remember? Uh, oh, I don't know what the actual acronym is. Yeah. It's just for people who the, like the family and the community and the friends of people who are struggling with addiction. So not, you're not struggling with addiction 
yourself, but maybe like a family member or a loved one struggling with addiction. So, um, that's been my history as well. And I just, it's yeah. So, and I could, I could see that being really helpful. So I just, yeah, I just think that like too often people go through, through things alone. And I mean, you were talking about this too, Siri, right? It's like sometimes doing alone work is really helpful. And then sometimes you need, well, you know, a coven or a community of some sort. So that's really what I want to highlight. That's so beautiful. I'm so happy. Yay. Yay. All right. Um, Siri, what are, yeah. What are your things on the socials? Where can people find you? Yeah. So I have two Instagram accounts. I have one for the apothecary, which is growing, but slowly. Um, and that is northern.lights.apothecary. Um, and my regular handle is just northern.lights.witch. On Twitter, I am at northlightwitch. Um, my website is northernlightswitch.com. And I have a really probably too active, frankly, Patreon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that is just patreon.com slash northernlightswitch. Awesome. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much. Yeah, this yes. was so great. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was really fun.